0: Besides support and protection, we have assist to body movements, so it moves together with the muscles, store and release of calcium and phosphorus. The bones are not only for, for attachment of muscles, these are places where we keep calcium. The calcium that we get from the diet, we use it, but then we store. The calcium in the bones, as well as uh, phosphorus, calcium and phosphorus. This is one of the functions that sometimes we forget and we don't think about. It's called hematopoiesis, which means formation of blood cells. In the bone, we make blood cells. We make the blood cells. And last, Storage of triglycerides, because there is adipose tissue in the bone. The long bones, they have space inside. They have a cavity in the middle, which is filled with adipose tissue, triglycerides. And as any, any other part of adipose tissue, it stores triglycerides. This tissue is called yellow bone marrow. Because it's actually, it actually looks yellow because of the fat. It's just fat inside the bone. So we'll see in what part of the bone this is located. One thing to think about the bones, the skeletal system, is that this bone is dynamic. Meaning that the bone that you have today is not the same bone, it's not the same calcium and phosphorus molecules that the bone you had five years ago. It's been completely replaced and renewed. So it's a living tissue. It's not just bone that stays there like... Stone. It is continuously being replaced. And we find other tissues here, like connective tissue of different types, like cartilage, blood vessels, adipose tissue. Cartilage is one of the most important tissues associated with the bone, with the bone tissue. We find it Covering the ends of long bones as we see here this long bone is covered by This white I mean blue surfaces, which is cartilage. This is called articular cartilage And The bone is as I said a living tissue it contains blood vessels It's vascularized is classified as one type of connective tissue the matrix the matrix, the extracellular matrix is mineralized. It's mineralized and it's arranged in two different types of bone tissue. Compact bone and spongy bone. The words describe very well how these two types of bone tissue are. Compact, well dense, solid bone. Spongy, Because there's small cavities in between all this bone tissue. And we'll see where and what types of bones we see these two types of tissue. Compact bone, solid bone, is very good at providing protection and support. Like long bones. Long bones like the ones we have in the upper limb, lower limb, femur, humerus, tibia, radius, all, all those are long bones but especially the external layer of the bones. Spongy bone is lightweight and provides support to other tissues, like the epiphysis. What is the epiphysis? It's the end. So we have a long bone and it has a shaft which is called the diaphysis. In both ends which are called the epiphysis so that's where we find the spongy bone in both ends in both epiphysis and it looks like we see here in this picture a spongy bone with small cavities and like a network we call that trabeculae we'll see that word in a different slide this image is from the femur, the bone of the thigh. And we can recognize both types of tissue here, bone tissue. Compact bone, the external layers, and the diaphysis, which goes to this part. And you can see it's very solid, it's homogeneous. And the spongy bone in the epiphysis, all these parts is the epiphysis of the bone. And you see like, very small spaces, cavities, like a network, like a mesh. And that's why we call that spongy bone. Yeah. So where are the, the blood vessels in there? The blood vessels are actually in the middle of the compact bone, very microscopic. Oh, okay. Yeah, you don't get to see them like this. You actually see one blood, big blood vessel getting into the bone, but then it gets branched and uh, it gets very, very deep into the compact bone and also the spongy bone. So again here, compact bone is in the shaft of long bones, the diaphysis and the spongy bone are in both epiphysis. Talking about long bones, like the femur in this example. And the medullary cavity is a space It's a space located in the diaphysis, in the shaft of the long bone, which is filled with yellow bone marrow. That's where the adipose cells are, the fat tissue. We say cartilage is particularly important as a component of the bone tissue and uh, is found uh, together as part of the skeletal system. Cartilage, as we've seen before, when we did tissues, is poorly vascularized, connective tissue. The matrix is not calcified. It is composed of chondroitin sulfate and fibers, collagen, elastic, and reticular. One example we see here, the fibrocartilage, which is located as part of the intervertebral disc in between vertebrae, in the vertebral column and it helps to absorb the shock it prevents the collapse of the vertebrae. Hyaline cartilage is the other type of cartilage. This hyaline cartilage is like the template, the template where the bone develops. In long bones we find cartilage covering the epiphysis as we see here and that's called articular cartilage because the epiphysis of long bones are going to be connected to other bones as part of the joints like in the knee joint the femur connects to the tibia which is in the leg and these surfaces are covered by articular cartilage which is hyaline cartilage and the point is it prevents it prevents friction Protects the surface of the bone And it's represented by this blue line, which actually covers the whole surface of the epiphysis of the long bone. Yes? So is the articular cartilage only the cartilage on the long bones? On the epiphysis, covering the epiphysis of the long bones. Yes. You mentioned that uh, it prevents friction between the bones? It did okay. prevents friction, yes, correct. But <coughs> better? Oh, much better. Yeah. So here we have a, a photograph. What bone is this? Mm-hmm. Hmm? <coughs> Hard to say. It's a femur. is a femur. It's just a view of the epiphysis, the distal epiphysis of the femur. And what is important? It's hard to identify, I mean, what bone is this. But what you see clear is that these surfaces look shiny, white, because it's covered by articular cartilage, hyaline cartilage. And they are the surfaces that will be part of the knee joint. Some people have uh, osteoarthrosis and that's particularly common in the knee joint. At some point it usually it's, uh, related with aging process. They start having pain in the knee joint and then later some functional uh, problems of the knee. You cannot move the knee very well, flexion, extension. There are some noises, uh, and that's because this articular cartilage starts getting destroyed, little by little. And it's not shiny and smooth anymore, it's all rough, and, uh, and that's painful. So the point of the articular cartilage is to cover, to protect the articular surfaces of the bones, like what happens in the femur. The knee joint is particularly important to support the body weight, and it has to be well protected. Parts of the bone. All bones are covered by a membrane of dense, irregular connective tissue. This membrane is called periosteum called periosteum. We can see them in this drawing, this membrane that has been peeled. It is connective tissue. What we have in this membrane? Cells called osteoblasts. Osteoblasts, which mean osteobone blasts young cells. These are the cells that make bone. They help (coughs) bone grow in thickness. The osteoblasts from the periosteum are the ones responsible for healing. Whenever we have a fracture, the osteoblasts are stimulated to start making more bone, to fix the broken bone. And the periosteum is a place where the tendons attach. The tendons are, remember, dense regular connective tissue. And when they connect to the bones, They fuse with the periosteum, which is dense, irregular connective tissue. So these are the attachment points for tendons and ligaments, the periosteum. And it's covering the whole bone. The bone hurts. Is the bone painful? It's calcium. There's no nerve endings. There's no sensations in the bone. But the periosteum is rich in nerve endings. That's the reason why it hurts. When we break a bone, it hurts because the periosteum is torn apart. It's ripped. So that's why it hurts. So Dr. Angeles, when you hear of the, when the children are going through their bones, hurts? Uh-huh. it's basically... Yeah, it's basically the periosteum getting dilated or stretched little by little by growth. Yeah. Periosteum is the one that has sensitivity. The bone doesn't have sensitivity. There are times that we have uh, uh, exposed fractures, we say, when someone breaks a bone and we see the bone cutting the skin and we see the bone outside like this, sticking out. And you can touch the bone with, a, with an instrument. You poke it like this and the patient doesn't feel anything because it's just the bone. But if you touch the periosteum, then it will, it will be painful, yeah. What, the periosteum? Yeah. It's, just oh, it's just a membrane. It's just a membrane. Very fine membrane covering the bone. So it's not cartilage? It's not cartilage. It's connective tissue. Dense, irregular connective tissue. Sometimes, in this photograph is showing the periosteum. Someone started to, peeled, to peel this, uh, this periosteum, and we can see it here. It's a membrane covering the, the bone. This is a long bone. This is compact bone. We can see a solid. And this space here is what we know as medullary cavity. Medullary cavity, which is a space where yellow bone marrow is, which is a fat. More about the medullary cavity. That's the space we said located in the diaphysis of the bone, which is the shaft of the long bone, and it contains yellow bone marrow, fat. There's another membrane inside the medullary cavity. In this case, it's called endosteum, not periosteum. Periosteum is outside, endosteum is inside the medullary cavity. What we find in the endosteum, we also see osteoblasts, but here we see a different type of cell, osteoclasts, osteoclasts, and these osteoclasts, they don't make bone, they reabsorb, they dissolve, they eat the bone, This is the opposite function to the osteoblast, the osteoblasts make bone. In this picture is showing something else we see a blood vessel here called nutrient artery the nutrient artery it's a blood vessel that every single bone has one or two nutrient arteries and you will see when we start studying the bones in the lab that every single bone if you get one of the real bones because we have two types of bones the, the plastic bone models and the real bones if you see a real bone, you will find in some place of the bone one or two holes, little holes. But that's exactly where the nutrient artery gets into the bone tissue. And then inside it will get branched and so. So if the osteoclast dissolves or eats the bone, yes. Yes, it is a balance, actually. What we have in our bones is a balance between the action or activity of osteoblasts and activity of the osteoclasts. At the end, we will study what osteoporosis is. And what is osteoporosis is the weakening of the bone because of the loss of this balance. When we are growing, the osteoblasts prevail. They make more bone. But then when we get older, the osteoclasts are the ones that prevail, and we start getting like weak bones, osteoporosis. Still, the balance is well regulated by different factors like hormones, vitamins, calcium, etc. They have opposite functions. The osteoblasts make bone, and the osteoclasts uh, break down the bone. So this picture, we have many labels to make clear what the diaphysis is, the shaft, Epiphysis, which in the case of the long bones, there are two, distal and proximal. And remember, we said at the very beginning, distal and proximal are used only for the limbs. So long bones are in the upper limb, lower limb, and therefore there will be a distal epiphysis and proximal epiphysis. For that, we need to know the bone, we need to know the orientation of the bone in the body and the skeleton, and that's what we will learn in it. Next uh, chapter, and also in the lab activities next week and the following. Now, we get a piece of the diaphysis, we can see in this picture periosteum, the compact bone, solid bone, which is shown like little rings like a big, central, dark circle surrounded by concentric rings. They are trying to show us the microscopic structure of the compact bone. And in the central circle, we see a blood vessel. That's called the central canal, and that's where the blood vessel is traveling. We see the nutrient artery getting into the bone. These are connections of the periosteum to the bone, they just call them sharpie or perforating fibers so just attachment of the periosteum to the bone to the calcified material yellow bone marrow we see yellow bone marrow and osteum. and in this other one they show us a piece of the bone from the epiphysis which is a spongy bone all this is spongy bone the little cavities surrounded by little spikes of bone and uh, that's called spongy bone. and the articular cartilage covering the epiphysis. There's a, one membrane called perichondrium, perichondrium, and this located it is located in the epiphysis covering the articular cartilage. It is dense, irregular connective tissue, It's almost the same material as the periosum. It's just a membrane surrounding the cartilage uh, on the epiphysis. And the cells here are chondrocytes, because it's covering the articular cartilage, which is hyaline cartilage. And I want you to notice one thing here in this bone. There is this line that line that seems to be like a, like a border, like a separation between these two parts. The blood vessels are not crossing from one side to the other. That's called epiphyscial line. And we'll see why that is present. We can also see it here in this picture, the epiphyscial line. It's like a line that limits the limit between the epiphysis and the diaphysis epificial line. And we'll see how that develops and has that appearance. So this is a summary of different types of cells in the skeletal system, in the bone tissue. We have osteoblasts. We mentioned these osteoblasts. And osteoclasts. But they are part of a sequence here. Well, this line separates... The bones that make bone, from the bones that reabsorb or break down bone. If you see the osteoblast, there is a cell which is a precursor. The previous stage of development of that cell is called osteogenic cell. And it's one of the stem cells of the bone line. And then the osteoblast, we said it's a young cell. It starts making bone, and it gets mature. When it gets mature, it's called osteocyte. So all this happens in the bone. The osteogenic cells develops into an osteoblast. The osteoblast starts making bone, depositing calcium, and then it gets mature into osteocytes, and you see the difference in the shape. The osteoblast look like a round cell with few projections of the membrane, but the osteocyte it has many projections. It looks like a little spider, a little bug with many, many projections. That's how the osteocyte mature cell looks like. And this is a cell that maintains the tissue. It keeps depositing calcium. It keeps depositing calcium and it's physiologically active. On the other side, the osteoclast reabsorption, breakdown of the matrix or calcified matrix. And notice, it's a multi-nucleated cell. It has many nuclei. It's a huge cell. It's a big cell. It is like a macrophage, that cell that makes phagocytosis and starts eating stuff. It has very strong enzymes that dissolve the bone, the osteoclast. And as I was saying, uh, there's a balance, a perfect balance between osteoblasts and osteoclasts to uh, maintain the bone. The osteoblasts, they make bone. They produce collagen fibers, they calcify the matrix, and osteocytes, they maintain the bone, and the osteoclasts break down the bone. And this is a part of a cycle, as we see here, bone formation by the osteoblasts and bone reabsorption by the osteoclasts. This process is called bone remodeling bone remodeling like for instance when we break a bone you have a question yeah when uh, when we break a bone we have a fracture after well we take an x-ray they see the fracture sometimes a cast is applied and after two weeks they take us another x-ray and now we see the place of the fracture is surrounded by a big white tissue, it's bone, starts to heal, the bone is healing, but that big mass of bone, after six weeks or eight weeks, it gets remodeled into the original shape of the bone, and that's what the action of the osteoblasts and osteoclasts. The osteoblasts react quickly, the bone is broken, we need more calcium, and it starts depositing calcium, and they make this growth. But then in the next weeks, the osteoclasts will start dissolving the bone and trying like is sculpting the bone back to the original shape. And that's what we call bone remodeling. Question? Yeah. Uh, so arthritis. Does arthritis come from uh, broken bones or injuries to bone and bones and such? Arthritis is, uh, by definition, inflammation of a joint. And that inflammation may, ha- may have different origins. Uh, one of the origins is uh, some infection, bacteria. Some other origin may be uh, mm-hmm. rheumatologic problems and immune system problems that affect the joints. Another cause may be disalignment of some bones that irritate the joint and produce arthritis. But not necessarily, maybe the, the reason, a fracture may be the reason or during the healing process, but it is more than that, not only that. This question. So, I'm still just trying to understand osteoblasts. I know, so you say they work in balance with osteocytes, but are they really only there in case we break a bone? Or why do we need something in our system that's breaking something down? Yeah, because... Yeah, we, we mentioned that the, that the bone is a place where we store calcium. And the calcium is used for many processes in our body, like muscular contraction, nervous conduction, etc. We should maintain a level of calcium in our blood so we can use that calcium. And that comes from what we eat, etc. We maintain the balance. But if for some reason the levels of calcium are low, then we need to get the calcium that we have in the bones. And that's on the osteoclasts camp candy. They start breaking bone and sending that calcium to the blood to restore the, the balance in the blood. And that's important because we see sometimes diseases like um, rickets, where the bones get really soft. osteomalacia, where the bones get really soft because of that. Low levels of calcium. This lack of calcium in the diet. We need calcium. We got to take it from our, our own bones. And that's what the osteoclast. Okay. So when cancer goes to the bones, is it even down to that of the osteoclasts and the osteoclasts? When, sorry? When cancer starts going into the bone? Okay. Yeah. Depending on the origin of the cancer, maybe from osteoblasts mm-hmm. uh, or maybe from osteoclasts. But either way, it's an uncontrolled growth and the loss of the function. So the bones will get weak and the bones may get fractured at any time. Besides, so sometimes we see a tumor like in the osteosarcoma, which is the bone, cancer cancer of the bone that happens in, usually in the femur or the knee, around the knee. We see a big tumor, I mean, calcified tumor, but it is calcium that has been deposited randomly without following any organization, and the bone is still weak, or they break the bone easily. So we can find all types of tissues in the bone. We've been saying bone, cartilage, blood vessels, but there's also epithelium. If there are blood vessels, there will be endothelium inside the capillary blood vessels. There are nerves. We say the periosteum is particularly sensitive. That's where the nerve endings are. Yellow bone marrow, fat tissue, and this one. Red marrow or red bone marrow, this is a place, this is a type of tissue that make blood cells. The red bone marrow participates in hematopoiesis. That's how we call the process of blood cell formation. And the red bone marrow is in the spongy bone, meaning it's in the epiphysis of the long bones. Wherever there's spongy bone, there is red bone marrow. The yellow bone marrow is in the medullary cavity of the long bones. Now, what about the calcium and chemical components of the bone? 25% water, 25% organic proteins, 50% mineral salts. The name of the calcium, the crystals, are called hydroxyapatate hydroxyl hepatite crystals, mineral salts, calcium. Collagen fibers are present, they provide flexibility, tensile strength and is part of the template. The crystals are composed of calcium phosphate, calcium carbonate, which is the main component. Calcium carbonate is the same composition of the marble. It's arranged in a different way, along with cells. That was makes the difference between the marble and the, the bone. But the chemical composition is exactly the same. And other elements like magnesium, fluoride, sulfate that are combined with them. Types of bones. We have different types of bones. And they, they are classified according to the shape. Like we see here, we have long bones, flat bones, short, irregular, sesamoid bone. It depends on the shape and, and how they can be described. This long bone is self-explanatory, it's a, the length prevails. Flat, they look like tablets. Short. They look like cuboidal shape, irregular. You cannot tell. You see, some places are like cuboidal, some parts are flat, and you decide to call it irregular. The humerus, which is the bone of the arm, is an example, typical example of long bone. In a long bone, we recognize these parts the diaphysis, which is the shaft, two epiphysis, proximal and distal, and this area called metaphysis, which is that area between the epiphysis and the diaphysis. It will be this area, metaphysis, that area that connects diaphysis and epiphysis. And that's the area where we find this that we mentioned before, the epiphysial line. The epiphysial line is in the metaphysis. That area between the epiphysis and the diaphysis. Now, more about that epiphyseal line: how it develops, why it is why it is there. That has to do with growth. That has to do with growth. If we see, if we take an X-ray to a uh, fetus, like. Four or five months of development, we will not see much bone. All the skeleton is cartilage. And that's why we say the bone develops on a template of cartilage. It's all cartilage. It starts getting calcified, and now we have bones later. And after birth, not all bones calcified. There are still areas that are cartilage. You see this radio uh, x ray of a three year old of the femur. This is the knee, femur here and the tibia. You can see a dark line when we take x rays. White, it looks white when there is a lot of bone, when there's calcium. And we see dark when it's not calcium. Well, here we see a dark line. which is cartilage. It is cartilage in the middle of the bone. If we get the bone, we'll see just the whole bone, but that in that area, there's a line that is still cartilage. It's not completely developed, it's not completely calcified. That is called epiphyseal plate. That part of cartilage that we see with the X-ray is called epiphyseal plate. And we see another one in the tibia also. So it's not completely calcified. And from here, we pull this microscopic picture where we see cartilage. All this is cartilage. It's a typical figure, a typical aspect of a cartilage that we see under the microscope. It is cartilage. And notice the chondrocytes, they are like a pile of coins, one on top of the other. Why? Because they are active. They are growing. They are dividing. They are reproducing. We are still growing. Three-year-old, the bone still has to grow in length. How it grows in length? The, there's still cartilage and the cartilage grows in length. Later on will be calcified. When we are like 16, 18 years old, 20 years old, there will be no more cartilage, everything is calcified, you cannot grow more. That's that's the limit. Yes? So it's growing- Growing pains is something that is not completely explained and is believed to be the stretching of all these tissues and the periosteum. Uh, There's actually something that it is real, it is described in kids, but it is explained as stretching all these tissues and stimulation of fibers of the periosteum. It doesn't happen in every kid, but there are kids that have very, very bad. So this is called epiphyseal plate or epiphyseal growth plate because this is the place where the bone grows when we are young, when kids always dividing, it's always dividing Now when we are adults, we are 25 years old, more no more chance to grow because no more cartilage that place where the epiphyseal plate was, now it's completely calcified. And that is shown as epificial line. That's what we call the epiphyseal line. That is a sign that the growth plate is completely calcified. But it's still, since it was cartilage and it was the last part that was calcified, it remains like a line. It remains like a line. You can see this, the bones that we have in the lab, some of them are cut longitudinally. And you can recognize that artificial plane, artificial uh, line, because they are adults, uh, born from adults. And that is useful when we when we read uh, X-rays, because we can tell the age just by looking at the X-ray. You can tell not exactly the age. Still, there are some tables that tell you. Uh, a good approximation but at least you can tell this is a kid and this is an adult. This person is still growing or this person is an adult and not growing anymore, probably older than 18, 20 years old. Just by looking at the x-ray because in the x-ray what you see are all this. This bone, it looks like it's cut here, it's not cut, it's just an artificial plate that you can see in the x-ray. And that means as a young person, as a kid, it's still cartilage. But this other one, 70 years old, you don't see that. You see the whole bone, well shaped, with no lines and plates or anything. Now let's go more into the histology. And see what is the composition of the compact bone in terms of uh, uh, cells and, uh, and how they are arranged. Compact bone is made of units called osteons. That osteon is composed by a central canal occupied by blood vessels and lymphatic vessels and many concentric rings. Those layers are called lamellae. And that's the way that the calcium gets deposited. That's the job of the osteoblasts and osteocytes. And the osteocytes get trapped in every layer. You can see them there, like little spiders in between the uh, concentric lamellae. So the osteoblasts, osteoblasts deposit calcium following that pattern, making osteons. And in the very central part, central canal, we have blood vessels. If we make a longitudinal section to this, we will see that all these central canals are interconnected. The central canal, from here and from here, they are connected by this kind of bridge, the blood vessels, providing blood supply to all the osteocytes that are depositing calcium. And the osteocytes are in. What happened? The osteocytes are in spaces called lacunae. Lacunae, that stands for spaces, lakes. We are here, 23, here. Lacunae, are small spaces where these osteocytes are. And you can see the osteocyte here with all the projections, all the projections and around every single projection, there's bone, there's calcium, all the positive. Canaliculi, we call all these small spaces where the projections are, canaliculi. Central canal, that's where the blood vessels run. In the middle of the ostium. And perforating canals are the connections between two central canals. Like in this case, the perforating canal will be this. Connects the central canal with blood vessels from the nutrient artery. And allow all these blood vessels to branch in and connect to each other. All the osteons are interconnected. I mentioned this word when we're talking about spongy bone, trabeculate. We call trabeculate to all these little columns of bone that determine the small cavities in this type of bone tissue, spongy bone. And what's in between, what's in those spaces? Red bone marrow. Red bone marrow. Hematopoiesis happens here, blood cell production. When we see a spongy bone, we may think that this bone is really weak because it's spongy, it's porous. But it happens that sometimes the spongy bone is stronger than the compact bone. Because all these lines that we see here, the trabeculae, all the trabeculae is every single bony thing that crosses like a network. So all these trabeculae are arranged in a pattern that follows the lines of stress. What it means, lines of stress? If the weight of my body is supported by the femur, with well, the femur and the distal epiphysis, all the trabeculae will be oriented in that way. And that makes like a frame, very fine frame that supports the body weight. And it's not actually weak. It is very resistant. Yeah. So is that why, is that the purpose of the strength? The purpose of the spongy bone is first to house the red bone marrow, and all these lines are arranged in a way that will support the weight or the lines of stress to that particular bone. And as the compact bone, in the spongy bone we find osteocytes, but they are arranged in a different way. They are not arranged like osteons like the central canal and all that, because there's not much thickness. They're very fine, very fine segments of bone. And they are also in, in, in the lacunae, the osteocytes in lacunae. We see lamellae, but we don't see the central canals. We don't see that same arrangement as in the compact bone. But it is still osteoblasts and osteoclasts because that bone also have to be remodeled. Spongy bone has another property that makes the weight of the bone uh, much less and alleviates the weight of the bones, because the epiphysis is... Spongy bone contains the red bone marrow, but it's not much calcium But it is arranged in a way that provides a lot of strength and resistance If you see closer take a closer look to this femur You can see that the trabeculae are following certain pattern like this like this and from here like this In that way And the femur The the lines of a stretch or the body weight is transmitted in this direction. So all the lines are arranged in such a way that will provide resistance and strength to those forces that are coming in that direction. Blood and nerve supply. We said every bone receives blood vessels through a nutrient artery, and therefore a nutrient vein. Notice that in the epiphysial line, there is no crossing of the blood vessels. There are blood vessels that provide blood supply to the epiphysis, and other blood vessels to the diaphysis. They don't cross the line. Because after being calcified, there's like a strong, thick calcium uh, material there. And the periosteum, the periosteum is rich, again, rich in sensory nerves, very sensitive to tearing or tension. When we break a bone, it hurts really bad because the bone breaks, and since the bone contains a lot of blood vessels, the blood vessels break. And there's bleeding, there's a collection of blood under the periosteum. Periosteum is being stretched by the blood. That hurts a lot. And besides, if it's broken, it's torn also will add more to the pain. That's how we see an X-ray of saphetis. What is dark is bone already. And what is white is still cartilage. Little by little will get completely calcified. And that brings to the concept of ossification or bone development ossification or osteogenesis that's how we make bone that's how we make bone from the very beginning on the development but not only then after birth we keep growing until we get into adulthood and even before, after that, if we break a bone, repair of fractures and remodeling will happen. Well, the remodeling is a process that happens all the time. That's what I said at the beginning. The bone that you have today is not the same bone you had five years ago. Because you're eating calcium every day, your osteoblasts are dividing, depositing more calcium, osteoclasts are reabsorbing calcium, and after some years, the bone is completely different. We still have the same shape, the bones have the same shape and everything, but the exact material is replaced continuously. And that's the remodeling, because that has to be done following certain blueprints of how your bones are. And sometimes when people exercise, they can modify this, the remodeling of the bone. If you do like a workout routine of uh, lifting weights or Pulling your muscles under tension, stress all the time. Well, the muscles are pulling from the bone and pulling the bone and it's stimulating the bone to be stronger. One of the things that is recommended to people with uh, osteoporosis is go and work out. Go to the gym, lift weights. Of course, as long as you can. Because that will stimulate your bones, your osteoblasts to deposit more calcium. Go take a walk without well, also exerting tension of the bones to prevent more osteoporosis. Well, there are two types of osteogenesis and uh, they follow different patterns. Uh, these two are intramembranous ossification and endochondral ossification. Intramembranous ossification makes spongy bone. Endochondral, both, compact and spongy bone. But as examples, we can divide in a way, intramembranous makes spongy bone and endochondral long bone. But actually, endochondral happens in compact and spongy bone. So we understand this when when we see the details of how this happens. This starts very early. Intramembranous ossification, very simple, flat bones like skull, mandible, clavicle, all these are flat bones, and they are developed by intramembranous ossification. The name says intramembranous, so everything starts from a membrane of connective tissue. A membrane of connective tissue composed by mesenchymal cells, this tissue of uh, embryonic origin. And these mesenchymal cells turn into osteoblasts and it's surrounded by capillary blood vessels. This is what we call an ossification center, when the mesenchymal cells turn into osteoblasts and they start depositing bone. That's called ossification center. There has to be blood vessels around to provide blood supply. And then we see the osteoblasts get well organized and they start depositing calcium right away, following the template of that membrane of mesenchymal cells. In a step after, we start seeing the osteoblasts dividing more and forming the trabeculae, these small spaces. Which is invaded by blood vessels. The blood vessels start to branch off and connecting and getting inside the, the small cavities of the spongy bone. And around, in both sides, we see the osteoblasts <coughs> forming like a membrane in both sides here and here. And they keep growing, keep depositing calcium, trapping osteocytes as part of the bone tissue. And little by little, this gets. The final arrangement. Periosteum is developed in both sides of that membrane. We see compact bone in both sides of the membrane and in the central part spongy, typical spongy bone, which may be also called diplo. This is a word for the spongy bone or the flat bones. And that's how the bones of the skull, for instance, are developed. Starting with them from a membrane of connective tissue that it starts getting calcified. Skull, clavicle, um, ribs, sternum, all of them are formed by intramembranous ossification. Pelvic bone also, the pelvis is also uh, formed by intramembranous ossification. Questions, comments? I think we can stop here and leave the endochondral for, for Thursday. So, Tuesday group, I'll meet you in the lab at uh, 10 minutes before 6, so we can start on time at 6.